0: we made it just in time come on let's go get a seat hey everybody welcome to julia's trucking cafe glad y'all made it everybody find a seat and did you get something to drink now just sit back and enjoy the show as always i have a lot of news to cover so let's get right to it our first story FMCSA clarifies new personal conveyance rules. After months of confusion for millions of drivers, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, also known as FMCSA, has finally offered up some extra clarification on how personal conveyance regulations should be followed and enforced. In May of 2018, the FMCSA issued a statement to try to help truckers make sense of how the personal conveyance provision works in the real world with current hours of service regulations. The biggest takeaway from the May statement was that truckers are allowed to drive their trucks loaded or unloaded from a shipper or receiver to a safe parking place, even if the drivers are out of service. Since May... The FMCSA has been bombarded with even more questions about PCN or personal conveyance. Last week, which would be about the first week of November, they issued an update in the FAQ in an attempt to set the record straight. Number one May a driver who drops his or her last load at a receiver's facility use personal conveyance to return to their normal work location, i.e., home or the terminal? No, the answer is, returning home or to the terminal from a dispatch trip is a continuation of the trip and therefore cannot be considered personal conveyance. Number two, the guidance allows for authorized, quote, authorized use of a CMV, commercial motor vehicle, to travel home after working at an off-site location, What is meant by the term, quote, off-site, end quote, When used in this context, their answer is the term refers to a location other than a carrier's terminal or a shipper or receiver's facility where a driver works for a temporary period for a particular job. Specifically, this term is intended for construction and utility companies that set up a base camp near a major job and operate from there for days or weeks at a time. These remote locations are considered Quote, off-site end quote locations. Therefore, travel between home and that off-site location is considered commuting time and qualifies as personal conveyance. Number three, is personal conveyance treated any differently when the driver is hauling hazardous materials? Response, no. There is no restriction on personal conveyance regarding hazardous materials transportation. Provided that the driver complies with provisions of 49 CFR Parts 177 and Part 397. Number four, can a driver who claims a short-haul exemption use personal conveyance? The answer, yes. There is no connection between personal conveyance and the short-haul exemption. As always, off-duty time does not extend the 12-hour duty time limitation. Number five, how is personal conveyance time calculated in the hours of service rules? Answer, time spent under personal conveyance is off-duty time or off-duty driving. Number six, may a driver use personal conveyance when they run out of available (parentheses) driving slash on-duty hours? Answer, no except for the one exception described in the guidance where a driver who runs out of hours while at a shipper's or receiver's facility may drive from that facility to a nearby safe location to park, provided that the driver allows adequate time to obtain rest in accordance with the daily minimum off-duty periods under the hours of service rules before beginning to drive personal conveyance is those times where a driver is operating solely for non-business purpose and cannot be used to extend the duty day also to clarify that a little bit myself is when they're talking about allows adequate time to obtain rest what they are explaining there is that if you leave like walmart let's say and you run out of your 14 you are allowed to go to the nearest safe haven from walmart and then you have to take either an 8 or a 10 hour break after that personal conveyance you cannot keep on driving they will get you for it number seven are there maximum distant times or distant limits for the use of personal conveyance No. However, it is important to note that the provision in Section 392.3 of the FMCSR's regulations prohibiting the operation of commercial vehicle while fatigued continues to apply. Therefore, a driver must get adequate rest before returning to driving. Once again, an 8-hour break or a 10-hour break. Number 8. If a driver picks up a commercial motor vehicle from a repair facility or a repair shop, once repairs are complete, would the driver be allowed to use personal conveyance to their residence from the repair shop? Response, no. Travel for repair and maintenance work being done is a furtherance of the business and is considered on-duty time. Number nine, can a loaded vehicle be used as personal conveyance? Answer, yes. Determining personal conveyance is based on the nature of the movement, not whether the vehicle is laden. So they got rid of that laden or unladen portion. Number 10, can personal conveyance time be combined with other off-duty time to complete a 10 or 34-hour break? Yes. Since PC is off-duty time, however, it is important to note that the provision in 392.3 of the FMCSR prohibiting the operation of a motor vehicle while ill or fatigued continues to apply. There again, they have to put that in there. Can't drive when you're sick, and you can't drive when you're tired. Supposedly. Number 11. Can a driver be inspected during personal conveyance? If so, what is the driver's duty status during the inspection? Yes, is the response. Since the driver is still subject to the FMCSR, which is Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations, the driver or vehicle can be inspected. The driver's duty status would be on duty, not driving, during the inspection. The FMCSA also points out that personal conveyance does not reduce a driver or motor carrier's responsibility to operate a a, uh, commercial motor vehicle safely. And motor carriers can establish personal conveyance limitations, whether within the scope of or more restrictive than the FMCSA guidance. In other words... A lot of times I hear drivers say that uh, my company will only let me go so far on PCN. Uh, the company I'm leased to lets me do 5 mile an hour, no more than 10 miles an hour, for a mile. Before, well that's before it flips, I'm sorry. I could PC personal conveyance, not when it flips the, the duty status, I'm sorry about Um. The personal conveyance for my company is 60 minutes and uh, no more than that. Then it will flip over to on-duty driving. So you want to check with your company uh, what their rules are and limitations are if you are new out here and are unfamiliar with the uh, personal conveyance rules. Or you can always please comment uh, on our Facebook page when you see this episode on what your company what kind of regulation is it stricter or more lenient than the these rules for FMCSA allows now you know your company doesn't have to uh, allow you to uh, PC, one direction they a lot of them will tell you and i've worked for companies in the past where when you're pc and you have to come back to the spot that you started like if i only allow me to go to walmart and back to the yard or something like that round trip pc and i've had companies do that before so you just you know so please leave a comment in the comments when you see this uh episode uh on facebook or in our discussion group is fine on what your company requires for your personal convenience regulations. Next up, snow and high winds caused 20-vehicle crash on I-70. And this had, this uh, was reported November 24th. A massive 20-vehicle pileup has shut down portion of Interstate 70 near Frisco, Colorado on Saturday afternoon. The incident occurred on the eastbound lanes at mile marker 204 around 1 p.m. According to local reports, heavy snow and winds contributed to the pileup which involved multiple cars, trucks and SUVs. Denver C- uh, CBS reported that at least one semi truck was leaking fuel at the scene. The crash caused the closure of the eastbound lanes which are backed up for miles as of 2:45. Now, on Sunday on the 25th, I was stuck in the blizzard that came through Missouri. From what I understood, Interstate 80 was shut down Across from Cheyenne to Laramie, Wyoming, which is about a gimme. Um, I was traveling from uh, Wisconsin down to uh, Kansas City, uh, Shawnee, Kansas, just outside of Kansas City, and Interstate 35 was a sheet of glare ice. And this was at um, 5 6 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Excuse me, it was about an inch worth of ice. Well, what happened was it was freezing rain. Everything froze. when it hit, the temperature was falling. Everything froze. Then it snowed on top of it. So the snow plows went ahead and cleared the snow, but they didn't, you know, do treat the ice. And Missouri is notorious for not pre-treating their highways. What's up, Missouri? I don't understand it. Surprise, surprise, surprise! I don't get why every other state—Ohio, Pennsylvania. Illinois, Indiana, I mean, I could rattle off a bunch of the northern states all pre treat, but Missouri refuses to pre treat. How many accidents, how many deaths are going to take, is it going to take for the DOT to get smart in Missouri and start pre treating the highways when they know a doggone blizzard is coming? I just don't understand. There again, anytime you have a comment or listening to the show and you want to comment, please leave a comment in the comment section below. And also on Facebook. I mean, you know, I would love to hear comments about these articles and 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 the listeners' opinions. In our next story, Delaware DOT rewrites rules after local residents complain. The Delaware DOT made an unusual decision in response to years of complaints from locals about noisy truck traffic on a small residential street. Neighbors who live on Piles Lane near the port of Wilmington in Delaware, been there, have numerous complaints about the constant commercial vehicle traffic on the two-lane roadway near their homes. Some residents have complained that the truck emissions stank. Others say the vibrations from the truck traffic are damaging their homes. Really? One resident even stated that she couldn't open up her windows anymore because of the constant stream of noisy semi-trucks passing by. It's amazing how these residents, they can't stand our noise. Oh, God forbid the emissions when we're a lot cleaner than what we used to be. Now, local guys, I could understand it. The boys are pulling containers. You see some of their trucks. Those are the ones that really need to be pulled off the highway. Sorry, guys, but, I mean, it's a f- proven fact. and uh, Or you need to update your truck. Um, but yet, you know, they sure do like it to go to the store and be able to buy all sorts of stuff. How do you think they're getting it, you know, from the port to the store by truck? Local residents, Edwina Richards, I had to have truck drivers pull down their pants and shake their genitals and their backsides at me. (laughs) Many of the residents have accused the truck drivers of breaking the law when they travel on Piles Lane. The trucks in question are using Piles Lane to travel to and from Port-to-Port International Corporation Facility, which ships and u- used direct cars to Central America. A 1971 rule put in place by Delaware DOT said that trucks over 5,000 pounds were forbidden on Piles Lane from Delaware 9 to a point about 200 feet from the entrance of the Port-to-Port Facility, except local service vehicles making local delivery. Citing this law, locals say that the truckers who use the road are breaking the law, even though the law made it nearly impossible for trucks to legally enter the facility. So, the Delaware DOT took a stand for the truckers. After hearing complaints about illegal truck traffic on Piles Lane for several years, Delaware DOT did indeed decide to do something, but it wasn't what the neighbors expected. Not only did the Delaware DOT confirm that trucks traveling to and from the facility fit under the local service vehicles making local delivery exemption, they also moved the line that the trucks were restricted from passing by about 200 feet, meaning the truck drivers could now freely drive into the port-to-port facility without any worry that they were violating the law. In other words, they moved the city line where that ordinance takes place, 200 feet, like, further out, so it included that driveway into the port-to-port facility. Delaware, kind of funny, Delaware DOT spokesperson Sierra McLeod said, if we ban trucks from port-to-port on this road, it will likely put them out of business. Our position is we are not going to do that. The port-to-port facility owners have received a request from Delaware DOT to consider moving the truck entrance, but the road that this would move truck traffic onto is in poor condition and is too narrow to safely accommodate trucks, in addition to the ownership of the road being in question. In other news, police are trying to figure out how this trucking company caught on fire. In Minnesota. State Fire Marshal is looking for the cause of a huge fire that destroyed a trucking company building along with multiple semi-trucks on the 26th of November. The fire was reported just before 4.30 on Monday, November 26, at Quaid and Sons Trucking Facility near St. Paul Park, Minnesota. Investigators say that the fire started in the truck repair shop and quickly spread to the rest of the building. Several witnesses reported hearing explosions coming from inside the building as either the truck tires or propane tanks on forklifts blew up. Truck driver James Ticelli was scheduled to drop off a trailer at the facility right after the fire broke out, but soon realized that he would be unable to complete the delivery. He said he called his company and said, I can't deliver. And they said, well, why? He said, because the building's burning. And they're like, what building? He said, like, the building I'm supposed to deliver to. Six semi-trucks were inside the building and were totally destroyed. Several others were damaged in the fire. Quaid and Son's facility is considered to be a total loss. I mean, it burnt to the ground, according to the picture, which will be in the show notes. As far as worst things I've seen, this is the worst I've seen. And no injuries were reported, Thank goodness. Around 50 firefighters from five different agencies responded to the blaze. They were able to put a stop to the fire before it reached the St. Paul Park Oil Refinery, which was right across the road. The state fire marshal is investigating the cause of the fire. This episode of Julia's Trucker Cafe is brought to you by Julia's Virtual Assistant Service. Have you ever thought about hiring a virtual assistant? Do you even know what a virtual assistant is? Well, may I suggest you contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service to find out how they can help you and your business. Do you have things that you hate doing? Are you a truck driver that has bookkeeping to do? Well, hand all that over to Julia's Virtual Assistant Service and concentrate on the things that you enjoy doing. From basic website design, social media marketing, to transcription, Julia's virtual assistant service can help you and your business with the things that you hate doing. Any task that you have, hand it over to them. Contact Julia's Virtual Assisted today by going to their website and visiting juliasvaservice.com. That's Julia's, V as in Victor, A as in Apple, service.com, juliasvaservice.com. And send them an email. If you see don't see any of the tasks that you might need help with, she will send you a free quote. So in other trucking news... Trucking industry is looking to high school students to fill the driver shortage. Now, back in September, I went back through my episodes, and back in September, I have already reported on this. But to expound on this, this is uh, a high school in California is hoping to entice female students into the trucking industry in order to address the so-called, quote, truck driver shortage, end quote, which we know is a big farce. Except when people want to be home every week, I address that here shortly. Last year, Patterson High School in Patterson, California, launched a Patterson Professional Truck Driving School to encourage, encourage students into Are you laughing at me? To encourage students to get into trucking early. According to the school's website, the year-long course is comprised of 180 hours and consists of classroom instruction, demonstration, hands-on exercises, and simulator experience. Simulator. Upon completion of the course, students will be prepared to take the CDL written exam. The program recently accepted its first female student, Lilana. Lilani? Another female student, Cheyenne, is set to enter the program next year when she begins her senior year of high school. Currently, only about 6% of commercial truck drivers are women, so the program coordinator couldn't be happier to have female students willing to take on trucking. It takes great courage and grit to choose to be the first at anything, and I have utmost respect for Lea. Leilani to pursue a career in this male-dominated industry. I will do everything I can to support her, CDL coordinator Dave Dean told SDC. Realizing that the girls needed role models in the trucking industry, Dean set up a GoFundMe campaign and was able to send them to the Women in Trucking Conference in Texas earlier this month. Patterson Professional Truck Driving School, which also trains adults in the community, says that their mission is to fight the truck driver shortage and to provide students with training they need to earn a good living. Many trucking industry experts, including OIDA, have long argued that there is no real truck driving shortage, despite widespread mainstream media coverage that claims that more than 50,000 truck drivers are needed to meet the current demand. There again, you, if you want to drive a truck, you got to stay out. You can't be home every night unless you're a local driver. Companies have customers that they have to appease. They have accounts that they have to fill. Uh, People want products, and especially with Christmas coming, it's going to go nuts. Instead, OIDA argues that over-regulation and low pay have created a serious driver turnover problem, which is perceived by outsiders as a truck driver shortage. Because they want to pay pennies on the dollar per mile. And they think they're doing something at $0.55 cents a mile. But they don't understand that you have to run 4,000 miles a week to make anything. Well, when they start paying you 60 $0.70 cents a mile, then they turn around and start cutting your miles at 2,500 miles a week. You can't make any money doing that. There again, any comment that you have on this, feel free to leave a comment in the, in the comment section below this podcast. I greatly appreciate any comments. From uh, In November 15th, drivers are asked to stay off the roads as whiteout conditions occur causing 250 crashes. In Pennsylvania, authorities are cautioning drivers at that time to keep off the roads as severe winter weathers have ca- caused over 250 crashes in central and western parts of the state as snow creates whiteout conditions and slippery roads. Pennsylvania DOT has shut down, at that time, shut down northbound I-83 from the Maryland border to exit 83. Southbound I-83 is closed from exit 36 to 43. It isn't clear when it will open up. And numerous crashes were also reported on I-81. In other news, a Kenworth 990 delivers the White House Christmas tree. The Kenworth W-990 tractor hauled the... 2018 u.s capitol christmas tree across country from oregon and made its final stop this weekend in washington dc to deliver the tree to the u.s capitol building kenworth's director of design jonathan duncan goes into some of the biggest differences between the new rig unveiled last week and its predecessor these you know and it also includes you can click on this link in the article if you go to the show notes the tree made a series of stops throughout November along its 21, 2170-mile trek before its Sunday arrival in D.C. Here, and there's photos in this article, has a real pretty wreath on the front of it, a real neat mountain scape on the side of it, but really, I really don't, I really don't like it. It's extended hood, KW, but it, I really don't like the front of it. I don't like the grill. I don't like the lights. Um, I just personally don't like it at all. It's got the picture of the Capitol on the side also. And they had a big turnout. of, uh, And they were taking a crane to unload it. Unload the tree off the flatbed. And it was all covered and everything. It showed um, when it was leaving. And this happened on the 25th. Of November, and you're not going to believe this. And you may have seen this on Facebook, but an actual bear strolled into California Highway Patrol Commercial Vehicle Enforcement Office. Surprise! 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 Troopers at the Highway, uh, California Highway Patrol Donner Pass Commercial Vehicle Enforcement Facility, got a visit from a surprising guest over the weekend. In a, vi- a video that went viral. Which was captured on November 17th and shared over the weekend by the office's Donner Pass division. You can see how an unexpected, quote unquote, unexpected visitor casually peeks through a window into the facility before making his way inside. Then he casually stroll. Uh, he stands up on his hind legs, opens up the door, plops down on all four, and walks around the office. Troopers say that the bear couldn't stay away. It was filmed just late days later, on November 21st, making a return visit to the same facility parking lot. Facebook users had several theories about what the bear might have been up to when it wandered into the facility. And they shared the video on social media over the weekend, and it's since gone viral. And on when you click on this link to in the show notes, you can watch the video and... Um, I don't know if I could share it over to uh, Stupid Things That Drivers Do because it really wouldn't be under that category, but you can definitely see it at the bottom of the article. And you also read some of the Facebook comments that other drivers said. Um, One person said he was just trying to turn himself in for dumpster diving, but then thought better of it and left. Um, The officers did shoo him out of the building. But it would be kind of real you know spooky if you're trying to go in and pay a ticket or something like that. And here's a black bear and not very you know, he's not very big, maybe I don't know about you know five, five feet tall. And um, hours of service, Kansas has hours of service secret weapon in other stories. The number of hours of service violations in Kansas, calculated as a percentage of total violations issued has been declining for years until rising slightly last year the long decline reflects national trends and you'll see the graph here in the article many watchers see such an inevitable in light of the uptake of electronic logging devices by so many carriers now in 2014 uh it was 22.4 percent of Kansas and then the national average was 9.9. Kansas was 20.4. Now this is hours of service violations. The national average was 9.3. 2016 it went down to 18.4 and then national average was 9.2. And then in 2017, Kansas were 18.7, and the national average was 9. Nonetheless, for those running paper logs or ELDs, but particularly the former, according to Kansas Highway Patrol Captain Christopher Turner, the state is something of a secret weapon for its Level 3 driver inspections. Those inspections taking place primarily at rest stops, of course, Turner says, are performed by a small group of retired troopers. There's their secret. They're experts in all matters of commercial enforcement, Turner adds. Most of them grasp the hours of service and will be exponentially better than a roadside guys. 62.9% the share of total Kansas enforcement inspections conducted away from a fixed facility, such as a way station, well above the national average of 50.5% for roadside inspections. Working part-time, they are approved for 999 annual work hours. Their assignment is partly to fulfill the FMCSA administration's request that a third of all inspections conducted be driver only. The secret weapon has allowed Kansas to maintain a top 10 ranking and overdrive CSA's data trail tally of states in the hours violation category. Kansas' issuance of hours infarctions for the first quarter of 2018, however, knocked the state out of the rankings as violations under the ELD mandate early in the year vaulted other states ahead of it. That reflects what Turner had to say about the character of many of the issued hours of service violations. Six 16 percent of our total violations are just attention to detail, he says, or no serious form and manner infarctions. The number in 2017 was in fact less than 16% of all Kansas-issued violations, but accounted for more than a third of total violations. The ELD's effect on our violations. 2014, 5,000 national total form and manner violations is under 5,000 total hours of service violation about 16 17,000 24 2015 it was about 14,000 total total HOS violations and foreman manor was still under 5,000 2016 went down to about mm, 12 about 13,000 and 2017 went close to a 1,000 foreman manor f- infarctions are certainly declining as they are nationally. The catch-all 395.8 code for them fell nationwide by 8 percent between 2014 and 2017, yet in Kansas the fall was 23 percent over the same period. Form and manner violations in 2017 made up a greater percentage of total hours of service violations than in earlier years, suggesting either generally less enforcement of hours in Kansas or perhaps more likely more strict compliance with more serious hours limitations as truckers turn to ELDs. Now, this is a little bit of a lengthy article. I'm not going to go ahead and go into any more of that. I want to go on to get some other news, but it will be in the show notes, so you could go ahead and read down below the ELD's effect on hours of service. DOT raises fines for violating trucking regulations. The U.S. DOT announced on Monday it has increased fines across the board for violations of federal trucking regulations. The federal... The FMCSA is required by the Federal Civil Penalties Inflation Adjustment Act, Improvements Act of 2015, boy is that a mouthful, to adjust fine amounts each year based on inflation. A final rule that published in the Federal Registrar today, November 27th, makes the new fine amounts effective immediately. The 2015 Act required FMCSA and other DOT agencies to issue an initial catch-up adjustment followed by annual adjustments for inflation. The DOT, in order to find the 2018 adjustment amount, had to multiply the penalty amount by the percentage change between October 2017 Consumer Price Index for all urban consumers and October 2016, which this year was 1.02041. Given this multiplier, all of the fine amounts increased. And there is a, a table underneath in this Article, I mean, that will tell you what the, it used to be. The former penalty and the new penalty value. So if you're interested in anything like that, this article will also be in the show notes. 10 toughest states for hours of service violations. Percentages above, above indicate the number of hours of service violations in each state figured as a percentage of that state's overall violation tools. Arkansas has been atop the list now for four years straight since overtaking the previous perennial toughest hours violations state, Oregon, in 2014. Since then, other states between Arkansas and the Pacific Northwest have joined the party around hours of service violations, even as hours violations nationally have declined. The list ranks states by hours violations as a share of all violations for a reported unique serve hours of service situation this year given enforcement of the ELD mandate has begun and how the state rankings have changed there's a link in this article where you can go and see what state is the worst as far as uh, moving violations i mean it is um Louisiana looks like Oklahoma uh New Mexico Idaho, Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, North Dakota, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, and West Virginia. That's what it looks like. But you could go in and research that for yourself. Now, on a final note, I want to say that I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you who turn in, tune in, not turn in. We all got to quit laughing at me now. Come on, I can't, I can't help it, I can't talk. All of you who tune in every week to listen to The Cafe. If you're new to The Cafe and you would like to check us out, at the bottom of every podcast episode here on our website, I have links that I've listed and like you could find me on iHeartRadio, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Store. You Please like us on Facebook and Twitter um, if you don't use Facebook or anything, you can always find the hub is the website. Um, don't forget to also if you're on Facebook to join our discussion group, Julius Truck and Cafe Regulars. I share recipes on the website. Um, I post videos as far as little cooking videos and stuff. I need to do some more and much more. Don't forget to subscribe to our email list. I will not. Sell your email information, and I, a question was asked about why do I want to people to subscribe to my email list? Well, I'd like this show to touch more than just truck drivers. I want them to. I wanted to touch the families, the kids, parents, uh, anybody of a truck driver if they're interested in what their child, husband, wife, brother, sister is doing. Um, with their line of work. So if you're interested in trucking or the trucking industry and you're not a truck driver, it's okay. So you if you, when you subscribe to the email list, I will email you all of the articles that I talk about and speak about and refer to along with um, news and updates of what is going to be up and coming with the cafe. And anybody that has any ideas or anything can also email me. And my email is listed on the contact page. Um, if you're on the email list, you like I said, you'll have priority over new things that are in the works. And um, please feel free to leave a comment on the bottom of any episode. I l- read each and every one. Also, if you have an idea for an up-and-coming show, please feel free to email me. It's uh, the, My email is on the contact, contact page. I will be doing interv- a couple of interviews. I have a couple of interviews that I'm going to be working on here in the upcoming weeks, uh, maybe after the new year, and... Um, whether it's a, a balanced diet, a healthy diet, getting healthier in the truck, I'm also found a little tip about losing weight. So um, I do want to appreciate all of my listeners. I greatly appreciate you constantly tuning in. I've had over 84,000 hits to the website. Woohoo! So thank you so much. I've also had over 400 downloads of the podcast in since September. It's growing and it's growing, you know, slowly but surely, which I really 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 appreciate. So thank you again. I love you all and until next time, keep the shiny side up and stay safe out there. Thank you